spiritual states, reward and punishment. Hello, everyone. Hello, Dr. Lightman. Hello. So, we're continuing our series of shows, and today we'd like to talk about reward and punishment on part of the Creator toward mankind. And maybe we can start with a definition of what does it mean? What does reward and punishment mean? What is a punishment altogether? Well, it's kind of complicated to define because how could there come a punishment from the Creator? If He has created man and He created all the conditions, He laid all the rules, set everything, and man, He, he loses His way, He heirs, he's under the constant governance of the Creator, so what could he be punished for? And also then, it's unclear what can a person be rewarded for then. But if a person nonetheless overcomes himself by his own efforts, did he do it, or did the Creator prepare it for him and awoke him this way from the inside in a way that that man doesn't even feel? So, it's a problem. It's difficult to discover exactly what it is. Many talked about it throughout history, built their and were wrong and built different theories on it. But so if man has no freedom of choice, then okay, no point in talking about it. But if man does have freedom of choice, as we talked about on our previous shows, then probably if he doesn't use it, then he's being punished or rewarded. Right, so then the question is, what is man's freedom then in relation to what exactly is it? Well, um, for good deeds in this world, man is rewarded. In the next world, and to the contrary, if he doesn't do something, if he acts uh, incorrectly somehow, then there are certain rules that get through our sages, and then a person is punished for these things. How do you re- relate to this? Well, it's invented by people, and therefore, of course, for this, there is some kind of foundation. But actually, we need to talk about it only in the context that if the Creator is the eternal upper force that completely governs us, then what reward or punishment can we talk about here? It's only in relation to giving a person the ability to rise to the level of the Creator. And only in that can be his reward or punishment. But, of course, not for being wrong, for applying certain forces, insufficient or sufficient, because one way or another, it's the Creator that made them that way. So, how is it possible to talk about something being dependent on man because and whatever appears in a person, the Creator is first. Yeah, but we don't feel it. We don't feel it. We don't. We were created in a way that we don't feel the upper force, so we have freedom of choice. As if. 
Okay, but at least that's what I feel. Right. So, both reward and punishment are relative to me. Only in relation to us and only in relation to how do we receive it. Meaning we ourselves create such an environment, such conditions, in which we say, yeah, there is freedom here. There is freedom of choice. And we exist in this freedom of choice. So, what could be a reward and what could be a punishment in this regard? Okay, so first of all, I define what reward and punishment is in relation to my own senses. For someone else, for you, for example. After this show, I'm going to run 10 kilometers. If I'd offer you to do it for you, it's punishment. For me, it's a reward that I have such an such an option, meaning it's all in relation to me. Right. So let's find out. From the point of view of the wisdom of Kabbalah, what is a reward and what is punishment? From the point of view of the plan of creation, all of man's aspiration to be like the Creator is a reward, and where man can't mobilize himself and be like the Creator, there he needs to see uh, punishment. So, the ability to become like the Creator, if it is given to man and he uses it, the work in and of itself is called reward. Yes, and to the country. Yes. Okay. Is there such a concept as deserved and undeserved reward and punishment? Is there such a concept? Deserved and undeserved reward and punishment. Well, actually, it depends on how we inquire it all together. I'm part of the Creator or governance as a whole. There can't be something like that. It can only seem to us. And if it does seem to us that way, then we think. I mean, on part of man, I can scrutinize this only on part of man. On part of man, we need to accept it as everything that happens, happens under the complete power of the Creator system, and therefore there can't be any problems, any mistakes, and we need to accept it as the absolute truth and good. So if I feel that in relation to me, the upper force is as if punishing me, then I can't say that it's undeserved, that it's for something. Even if you don't exactly know, still man, as it says, needs to bless the Creator for all the bad as for all the good. Sometimes a person feels that if he did something incorrectly, he feels that he did something incorrectly and he got some kind of punishment. 
as if, yeah, or to the contrary, he did something good and immediately get some kind of reward. But in most cases, there isn't any direct connection. It's hidden. Why? When is it? Why, why does it work that way? Why not directly show a person for his bad deeds a punishment? Man is not shown nothing altogether besides the fact that he needs to know what he needs to know for his next correct action. And this way, he's led throughout life. If he doesn't understand it, if he doesn't feel it, then the problem is him. Then to the measure to which he doesn't feel meaning he's as if wrong, then the mistake itself is what gradually leads him to better results. Everything's built in such a way that by way of trial and error, we advance. Okay, around me there are plenty of people. I look at other people. There are people that are talented, rich, happy, and to the contrary, poor, miserable, ill, and it's like you want to say that the Creator rewarded these and punished those. Is it incorrect to see things that way? It's the way you judge it. How do you know what a reward, what a punishment is? Or what is reward, what is punishment? How do you understand, how can you understand the meaning of the Creator's attitude toward one person or another? Even in the Torah, it says, "He who hates, uh, he who spares his rod, hates his child." Meaning, we're not talking about the beating itself, but what it means is that you nonetheless have to apply pressure to him so that out of an animal he will become a human being. So, if a person doesn't see the entire plan of creation, he can't say about nothing that he can't. But for that, we're given a list of instructions that we can base ourselves on them, even though that we haven't contained them yet in their true meaning, but nonetheless, we can rely on them. The problem with this list of instructions is that each understands it his own way. That really depends on the measure to which a person's developed. But precisely in that, is the meaning of these lists that a person's wrong to the measure to which he does not coincide with these lists to the measure to which he does not accept the instruction. Is there some kind of punishment from previous incarnations? Suppose that they do exist, these previous incarnations even though we didn't talk about it, but suppose they exist. Is there such a concept like a person carrying around this baggage of bad deeds from the past? Well, actually, yeah, because our life and death, corporeal ones, they don't cut anything or don't start anything. We need to accept it all as ongoing, ceaseless movement, ascent of our spiritual movement toward the Creator. And to the contrary, there's like, even like it says in the Torah, the uh, 
achievements of the forefathers that gives you an easier life in the future. No, no. I won't say easier, but more effective. Well, is it just that a person's punished for some deeds from previous lives that it's unclear? But it's yours. They're yours. But I don't feel that they're mine. Okay, don't feel, but it's made so on purpose that you won't feel. That in order not to rob you, in order not to free you of certain problems, in order not to burden you with certain problems. It's done so on purpose. It comes from a general system of guidance. It's something random or... Is there direct reward and punishment that comes from the Creator and doesn't come through nature and society? The person just feels that the Creator is directly sending him something. Yeah, but for that, man needs to put himself under that governance, to position himself under the governance of the Creator under his rule, and then he'll feel it. But in most cases, a person gets some kind of reward or punishment through nature or through society. Right. What deeds can the Creator punish man for? does the Creator punish man for? For those deeds that do not lead to the purpose of creation, it's not punishment, it's simply restrictions, um, slight corrections, adjustments, so to speak, working on mistakes. Is there such an understanding? Is Is it possible for man to punish the Creator? In that he does not aspire to reach the purpose of creation, you can see that as, you can consider that as punishing the creator, as man punishing the creator, like a child that doesn't want to develop. Right. To the measure to which he um, sorrows his parents. So again, what does a person do wrong in this world that the Creator punishes him for, allowing him to understand that it's for that? Can you give an example? For not wanting to connect with other people in revealing the Creator. It's a general formula. Why working for the sake of the Creator is considered a reward, the work itself? Because in that, a person achieves his uppermost spiritual degree. He becomes eternal, whole and complete, like the Creator. He achieves unification with the Creator. He finds out what is this upper force and in general of creation, the upper world, meaning in that he rises to a degree where he is unlimited by anything. So it's like when when you work for some great person, then the work itself becomes pleasure for you. 
Right now, your teacher wrote that to the extent to which a person puts in his effort, he is rewarded, that the effort itself is the reward. Can you explain? The effort itself is the reward because actually it stems from the Creator, even if it seems to a person that it's his own effort. And the measure of applied effort determines a person's spiritual status and the measure of his ascent, of his closeness nearing the Creator. He, by that, defines his entire spirituality. So, if the Creator, he demands just one thing of us to unite with other people, then by making an effort to connect to other people, strangers, that maybe I even hate, turns out that this action in of itself is considered a reward. Yeah? Hard to imagine that. Okay, suppose, suppose a person uh, exerts, where, where does the pleasure for the exertion come from? Because he's doing it for the sake of the Creator, because he's coming closer to the Creator by it, giving him delight. So, okay, the Creator needs to become revealed his greatness, and then, no, no, if it will become revealed, then man will act for the sake of the revelation of his greatness. But here it's hidden on purpose, since man who disagrees with his egoistic goals and traits but identifies with altruistic ones that he does it. So I need to imagine that the Creator is great, that He wants for me to connect, for me to connect with others, and I need to find the fuel to do it and to be delighted for the, to hope that I'll be delighted for my efforts. No, no, you don't need to hope for anything. Your delight comes as a result of you giving delight to the, of you delighting the Creator. And I need to depict that too, because if I'll really feel that I'm delighting Him, then that's it. Obviously, I'll do it then. But here I need to depict it. Right. Therefore, a person needs to close himself. He needs to make a restriction on himself, not to receive any kinds of pleasure from his spiritual work. So there's some kind of formula here that there's something missing. Where do you take the fuel from? Don't worry, it'll come. So in nature, there are certain resources that we can enact. Sure, much greater than in our world. Because egoistic fuel, because I understand, but altruistic, it will come when you will want to work without any egoistic fulfillment. You will see how much how many options there are in the world to act without getting any kind of response, meaning without fulfilling yourself, without thinking of the reward. When the work in and of itself, the action in and of itself, without the reward, is the reward itself. 
Well, people wrote about it, kind of, but the biggest pleasure is not to think about yourself. Right. So if a person can relieve himself of any thought about himself and starts to come out of himself, that's the biggest pleasure. Right. Sometimes you're right, and, uh, and Bala Sulam talks about it, not to look at the Creator as some kind of personality that relates in one way or another to man, but as the laws of nature. If you keep the laws of nature, abide by them, you get a reward. Life, for example, on the animate level, you don't. You get blows. Can you look at things that way too? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's necessary to try to all the time act in such a way that he will come closer to the Creator in whatever you can. So that's the work. I like abide by the laws of gravity. I can live. I don't. Then. And it doesn't matter whether I understand them or not. It's the same with the Creator? Mm, suppose, yeah. He says it's necessary to unite with other people. I abide by it. Great. I don't. Um, I have it bad. No, no. You, you can't determine whether it's good or bad because then you will act according to the word, because then you'll act according to what's good or bad. So if I abide by this law, I need to understand that at some point I'll get some kind of reward, even though that I don't see it. Well, it's a reward anyway, but I don't see it. It doesn't matter. You don't see your money in the bank either. Yeah, but I can always go and um, draw, draw money. Well, here you hope that you'll be able to do it too. Yeah, but maybe in the future I'll get something. Okay. I'm living in this world. I'm connected to other people. To what extent do my incorrect actions influence the actions of other people? They influence. To what extent I can't tell you, but they do. Their actions and their actions yeah, on you. So their incorrect actions influence your incorrect actions and the other way around. So suppose I understand the laws of nature, I want to abide by them, I make an effort, and there there are a few more billions of people that don't want to abide by them, don't want to do this or that consciously or unconsciously, and I'm punished for it. Of course, we're all connected in one system. And okay, so what do you do in this case? Try and correct yourself and through yourself, others too. And not to correct them, but to correct myself. Of course. Yeah, but still, what's the connection if I correct myself? They're incorrect. You pray for them. Why does there need to be such responsibility? Because it's a general system. Yeah, but all of these collective punishments, you know, they already exhaust themselves. A person needs to be responsible for himself. Who told you? What is it? A kind of socialism or what? Nothing exhausted itself. This system exists and will continue to exist. Always. The Creator created one 
vessel desire, and this desire needs to achieve the degree of the Creator. Punishment exists only in this corporeal world or in the spiritual too. No, there are no two worlds, actually. It's only our perception that divides everything this way, our entire sensation into two. Perception in, in our vessels. There's punishment there, but the altruistic ones, the altruistic ones too. For example, a mom that wants to give something to her child newborn, and he can't accept it. Suppose he, his stomach aches. So she's suffering. So there, the punishment and suffering is not for yourself, but for others. Yeah, and it's much greater than for yourself. So if a person prays for himself, by that he draws uh, punishment upon himself. Can you explain this? Because you're thinking about yourself instead of thinking about others. How is it possible while existing in an integral system to think about yourself? For sure, you completely distort the integral system by it. Yeah, but if I pray for basic needs only in order to exist and then to support the integrality of the entire system, yeah, suppose for that, then it's okay. That's called uh, the... That's considered as basic needs and there's no problem with that. When a person clearly feels the upper governance on himself in relation to himself, then he clearly sees a reward and punishment, and if so, where is his freedom of choice then? Freedom of choice always exists in a person, in that at least to ask, what else can I do in order to come closer in thought, desire, etc., to the Creator, to become like the Creator. A person that reveals the Creator, he clearly sees reward and punishment or not? Yes or no? Depending on what's better for his advancement. Maybe it's concealed from him too, or he conceals it from himself. A person can conceal something from himself, yeah? Doesn't want to see it that his relations will be clearer, higher. Or to the contrary, he doesn't hide it from himself and he examines the measure to which it influences and impacts him. To the measure to which it can remain neutral. Even rising above this in order to raise yourself to an even higher state where the result of the action will not influence one's attitude. So man is the purpose of nature or the purpose is to disconnect our actions from their result because otherwise you won't be able to act and bestow. If your bestow depends on the result. So the reward needs to be the process itself. Yes. And not to wait for any result. 
absolutely. So what I'm trying now, suppose that I'm trying to unite with others, etc., etc., that I'm searching for the upper force, the process in and of itself needs to be sufficient and give me this already the reward. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. I think that's deep enough. Need to hear it a few more times. Till next time, all the best.